Hello and welcome to the Psychomedia Podcast. I am Timothy Swan. And my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, Commander of the Armies of the North, General of the Felix Legions, and Loyal Servant to the True Emperor Marcus Aurelius, Father to a Murdered Son, Husband to a Murdered Wife, and together we're going to be discussing the funny side of psychology. You know, we once had a professor who actually was. <laughs> Maximus Decimus Meridius. Um, and uh, he taught us many secrets. Can I ask why you've turned up instead of Ben this week, Maximus? Well, so it, don't worry, it is actually still me. Um, what? But, I never would have guessed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so with this whole like shake up with going to the the bi-weekly slash fortnightly. fortnightly. It's a less ambiguous. It's place. actually demi-weekly, isn't it? Is, is that it right? demi-weekly? No, no. no. That's... That's an even more confusing phrase. It's like it's like flammable and inflammable. Demi-weekly and bi-weekly would mean the same thing. Bi-weekly can either mean twice a week or once every two weeks of making it unuseful. Okay. Um, so now we've changed to the confusingly fortnightly format. Um, I was, you know, I realised that I, like, I find my name quite boring. And I was getting kind of bored and tired of having to say it at the beginning of every episode. And if we're not going to be like, if we're going for quality over quantity, which can I just assure people is absolutely not what we're doing. No, we're like, not going to be doubly good. <laughs> if anything, we're just going to be doubly rusty. Yeah. So we I road quickly. I feel I felt like I wanted to mix things up. So uh, this week I'm Maximus Decimus Meridius. And you didn't think that I might want to change my name? Well, I wanted the surprise. <laughs> Well, you did surprise Maximus me. Decimus Meridius would truly va- understand the value of a surprise. Yeah. Um, he was generally... I, I really am completely, I'm completely baffled, but <laughs> I'm going to bear with you and we're going to carry on doing this together, no matter what you call yourself, Ben, because that's what friends do. And our <laughs> topic this week is friendship. Aww. It's kind of more about friendships and the problems that romance causes with friendships and <laughs> i worry that subconsciously both of our choices say slightly interesting things about us you know what tim i absolutely don't worry about that hi christina do you not <laughs> yeah well you see i don't have to say hi to the person that this implicates because they don't listen to the show <laughs> um but before i incriminate myself completely as um a person who is emotionally messed up. I think um, just as a person. <laughs> as a human being and not some random dead Roman who probably didn't exist in the first place. How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry. That film is historically accurate to the letter. Is it? As long as the letters in question are N-O. <laughs> Ah, well, um, so what I was trying to do was to lead us to feedback there, Ben. Oh, okay. Well, I have feedback. I have feedback this week. Because Maximus Decimus Meridius is more popular than Ben Fell, it turns out. Well, I imagine if we used Google to ascertain that, yes. (laughs) Um, For the the time being, anyway. The deeds we do in life (sighs) echo in the internet. (laughs) Um, So my feedback this week is from Charles uh, on 
some episode or other. Uh, he says, excellent last episode. Week, uh, last fortnight's episode. Oh, well, amazing. Uh, excellent episode. Psychomedia is a variable that accounts for a small but significant P is less than 0.01 amount of my happiness. Wow. That is, uh, that's extra. It's a high significance level. Yeah, like a medical one. Uh, that, uh, <laughs> he, he goes on, that jingle about correlation is now stuck in my head, which was the intention. Uh, the second line, though, is a bit hard for me to understand. How does it go? Well, Charles, the lyrics to the second line are post hoc doesn't ergo propter hoc. Uh, and this line was specifically included to annoy people who understand Latin. Uh, Tim, capis Latine? <laughs> uh, Ita ita wero. Yep. <laughs> you don't know that that means yes in Latin. Yes, I do, what... because I checked beforehand. What does what's no in Latin? I can't remember that. I'm a very positive Roman. <laughs> <laughs> None. Um, but... Uh, Non? Is it just non? Non. Okay. Um, because uh, I could suppose I could say, oh, what is it? Flocky non facio. That's my favourite one. How dare you? <laughs> it is literally pretty much how what it sounds like in English. You'll have to buy it me a is, drink first. I don't give a, a, a bit of wool or something, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, right. I don't speak Latin very well. Uh and I like annoying classicists by my poor use of Latin, but I do speak it better than Ben, so he can annoy me, and then that annoyance can be passed down to classicists. For example, psychomedia being spelt without a H, which confuses <laughs> everyone, including non-Latin speakers, because it's also that way in English. Oh, well. Um, so there we go. Uh, finally, Charles goes on to say, uh, sorry to hear that you have to go to a fortnightly schedule, but I can understand, and will try and keep calm and carry on. Well, Charles... Uh, we do hope you manage to keep calm and carry on and agree that those are appropriate sentiments to be holding. After all, the transition to fortnightly recordings of Psychomedia does represent nothing if not a comparable level of disruption to wartime families having their houses firebombed on a nightly basis by flying Nazis. Stay strong, Charles, and remember, careless talk costs literally nothing unless we introduce a subscription fee. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, um... I, I, I like the idea that someone has completely freaked out when they got to last Friday and it's just like, where, where is it? Where is it? Where's the podcast? Where is the? But the reality is that no one has done that. And that's probably for the best. <laughs> no one except us. Uh, yeah. Did you well, feel a strange just... nagging void last Friday? Well, I think I was pretty conscious of the fact that I wasn't doing it and I wasn't desperately trying to upload it in time. And it mm -hmm. did feel weird just sitting there on a Friday like, oh, I guess I can work on my novel. Yeah. Um, is that what I did on that Friday? No, I think I played video games because I was like, oh, well, I've got to go to a, 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 a wedding tomorrow. That's going to be hard. Um, I was going to say, actually, it is slightly worryingly coincidental the same week that we s deliberately skip an episode of Psychomedia is the, the very same week that I start a new MMO. So, uh, <laughs> so, so although we are doing it because of work schedules, sometimes it's not, it's not the entire gap that's been filled with work, which is good. Anyway, so yeah, so I was at a wedding. I'll talk a bit about it as a thing later. Um, but uh, there were a number of wedding guests who were just like, hey, Ben, I haven't seen you in what is probably years. But I, should I still point know out all about your life. I should point out I was at the wedding too. They weren't just saying this, you know, by extension. Assume oh, hey, Tim, pass, pass on, on all of these messages to Ben because uh, <laughs> we don't care about seeing you. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, who were just like, yeah, we know what Ben's doing because we listen to the podcast. Although I think pretty much everyone is behind. I don't know how many actual 
listeners we have to latest episodes. I imagine it's quite a small Charles. Because everyone I speak to. Well, yeah. Um, well done, Charles. There should be some sort of prize. Maybe if there? we start giving It's a out... reward in itself, Ben. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a much better idea. <laughs> Come on. Intrinsic reward, not extrinsic reward. <laughs> That's how you get people to do what you want. And, um, but... Uh, because I was speaking to someone else on Twitter and he's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'm up to about episode 45, but I'm a bit stuck there at the moment because you've got to complete each episode. Apparently, I yeah, don't know. You do. Um, it's like a so, leveling process. I bit too many in mode. Carry on. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you gain new skills. I'm not yeah, sure what exactly. those skills are. You increase your pun statistic. <laughs> Let's not because we're just spending the episode designing a game and we don't really want <clears> to do that. Well, no. We, no. we absolutely do, but it doesn't make for an episode i don't know not on psychomedia as no. such. um but yes so to transition <laughs> in a sort of um diaphanous way a into... diaphanous segue we need a new <laughs> soundboard <laughs> i'll just come up with increasingly obscure adjectives <laughs> uh, to make a diaphanous segue uh, to what we've done this week is hey we were at a wedding when people told us they listened to the show but also there was someone who got married uh, oh yeah her yeah <laughs> um so yeah uh, this was stealing our thunder with all the getting married <laughs> what, what, what thunder do, do you have ben because i didn't have any thunder like of the four psychologists are there i'm pretty sure the other two who weren't us were winning at thunder <laughs> That's probably true. That's probably true. No, I, mean, I mean, unless you've got some big revelation to pop out of the bag, um, which not about not about marriage. I mean, it was my birthday a few days later, and I did feel slightly pipped to the post, but you know, <laughs> but uh, you, she yeah. wasn't to know. Yeah, I'm sure she was too busy planning a wedding and making a wedding dress to check Facebook to see that it clashes slightly with my birthday. She was on her honeymoon away from all radio contact, as she put it. And the point being, <laughs> she was the fourth psychologist of the t- of the team of psychologists. You've heard Mira the, the show. Um, yeah, so there's war, famine, plague, and death, right? Which one are you yeah. claiming? I'm well, kind I... of a, I'm a fan of plague, right? Because well, it's the green horse. Yeah. Okay. So you can have pestilence. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry for not using archaic language. Uh, I mean, I feel I, I, I would King claim, James Bible or nothing for you, Ben. I would claim war because he's at least in Terry Pratchett, he's depicted as being all red in color. Yeah, no, uh, it is the red horse's war. That would make sense. But at the same time, I feel the most combative of the group should also get war, which is probably Nikki. Right. Interesting. Um, so which leaves death and famine for me and Mira. Uh, <laughs> Mira had to wait ages for her vegetarian option to come. She Does did. She did. In? She was very hungry at the wedding. So I think that means she wins wedding. Uh, she wins wedding. Wedding is not a horseman of the apocalypse. And, uh, I think not Nikki the wins normal taxonomy. Nikki. Yeah. We are going to get Nikki on the show at some point. Obviously, she's yeah. on the honeymoon. At famine the and wedding. Otherwise engaged. <laughs> Um, well, not engaged anymore. She's married. She's otherwise married. Um, yes. But uh, uh, it was but... it was a nice day. It was nice to see all of like our friends and stuff. And Ben, you've now experienced a third type of wedding. Yes, I'm. I'm sort of partially. I mean, technically, yeah. the wedding element of it, you may be. <laughs> Hush now. <laughs> there was lots of traffic. Is the story we're sticking to. It was Lando Calrissian's fault. 
exactly. I had a little mini Chewbacca with me uh, because it was Star Wars Day and I maybe threatened to go dressed as a Jedi because those are kind of like formal robes, but I never planned to carry it through. No, you should have. You should have done. There was at least one other person. She there banned me from as coming Jedi. as a Jedi. She gave me permission to go as a. Um, but the guy at the front officiating was dressed as a Jedi. Oh well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Anglican robes. Um, <laughs> Sith. Well, yeah, that's that's the Catholics, surely. It depends, I suppose. The cassocks are quite like Sithly slash Luke in Return of the Jedi because they're mostly black, but you usually wear like white robes over the top. And it's only like what the spirit of the secret apprentice or something who wears pure white robes. Um, uh, oh, know or, really, I suppose Atris. Atris wears pure white robes and she's kind of like a Jedi librarian slash random. <laughs> but, you know, we're Jedi digging deep librarian. into the expanded universe here. Which is what I these do. Aren't, these aren't the books you're looking for. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it was it was weird because, like, so one of our um, fr- psychologist friends got married last year. And that wasn't weird because they had been going out for a long time. Whereas the conception of, you know, Nikki getting married is a bit more weird because she's only started going out after university and getting engaged and getting married after university. And, I feel like I, our I, lives the first time that I saw the groom in person was as he was escorting her out of the church, having just married her. Right. Yeah. Well, pretty similar. I I saw him in the flesh for the first time at this wedding. I'd never met him before. Um, so, yeah, the point being, I think that it's like people have had lives after university and yeah. made big, substantial changes and in a way grown up from where they were three years ago. And I don't like <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't think there's any danger imminently anyway. Uh, cool. Well, of growing up, Ben. Ah, beautiful. Uh, there it is. Yeah, this week, uh, my thing that I did this fortnight was I celebrated my 24th year of death avoidance, uh, which was fun. Um, my parents came down a couple of weeks ago to deliver uh, a voluminous quantity of birthday presents because if there's one thing that my family does do, it's buy each other too many presents. Uh, birthdays and christmas by volume uh, by yeah it's very much presents by volume we have had to impose upper limits on the number of presents we're allowed to buy for each other um, one cubic meter and because i'm a heinously selfish and materialist human being i've been steadily introducing uh christina to this uh, tendency i mean the way i have been introducing it is by buying her lots of presents but if this birthday is anything to go by, it seems to have uh, it seems to be working. Um, so I had a lovely day on Tuesday, uh, except for the 9.30 a.m. lab meeting that I had to go to, uh, which sucked. Well, yeah, this is the uh, thing. So I messaged you to wish you a happy birthday and to say that your present was on the way, but <laughs> not because I've actually bought it yet. Um, but because it's still in development. <laughs> and maybe to... No, the development is completed. It's just not on sale yet. I have played it and completed it once but oh gosh not any of the like actual hard modes just the main story mode um but that was because i was a kickstarter backer and i will buy it as soon as it's out um i'm trying anyway. to tell what it is now but uh, yeah anyway Carry um, on. well it will be my media of the week the week that it comes out as well okay but good anyway the point being um and i maybe also wanted to talk about the show and i was trying to keep those things separate but i really did need to know so i could do my prep <laughs> and you were like I was like, oh, you're having a good, happy Tuesday so far? And you're like, yeah, apart from having to go to a lab meeting. <laughs> oh, yeah, it sucks. Anyway, after that, after that 
well, I'm... I am sorry to hear that. It, <laughs> it was fine. We went to like is... an agricultural show. It was fun. Um, yeah, so uh, that that was less good. But once once the birthday got itself up and running, uh, there was presents galore. This year, I mainly asked for board games uh, because I feel, felt recently that I, with my comic book collection and my expanding video game library, I'm not quite nerd out yet. And having recently started playing Dungeons and Dragons, I don't think I'm really nerdy enough. Right. Uh, because of your kind of implicit desire to join team, whatever my team was called. <laughs> Uh, if, you ch- if you choose to think of it that way, then sure. In, in uh, the War of the Nerds, uh, the Geek War, that <laughs> like like the defeated Germany, we will return. <laughs> last, we will reveal ourselves to the Gollum. At last, <laughs> we will have revenge. Um, yeah, so that's a thing so, that no one will understand. So got a whole bunch of board games, uh, ranging from the conventional and kind of universally playable to the extremely hardcore and nerdy the the, the most hardcore nerdy one was lords of Waterdeep, the oh, I've heard that. time so... game uh the probably the most acceptable ones were i we i got a copy of articulate which is always good classic um uh christina got me a set of, uh, of battleships and not maybe not as well known but certainly universally enjoyable uh a set of uh, what are they called again? Uh, what are they called? It's something pink. Right, try and describe it to me like we're playing Articulate. There's 30 seconds on the timer. Quick. <laughs> okay, you have two small plastic pigs, which you roll like dice. Pass the pigs. Pass the pigs, yeah. Amazing game. Pigs. Absolutely brilliant game. Obviously, so I'm got, terrible at it. We uh, we got a copy. Uh, we saw it in, in a toy shop that we were in for obvious reasons. And uh, I said, that's a great game. And she remembered. And so uh, we have a copy of Pass the Pigs. And then on the nerdier end of the spectrum, yeah, Lords of Waterdeep got uh, Zombie Dice, which is uh, famous and extremely successful and fun. Just very simple dice game where you play as zombies and have to collect brains whilst avoiding shotguns. Uh, and then the, the highlight of the, uh, well, so far the highlight of the board game uh hall is smash up which is my media of the week and so i'm going to seamlessly transition to that um, that's the media of the fortnight to you ben the media of the fortnight, special. sorry it is m-o-t-f i'm writing it down <laughs> what is smash up hang on m-o-t media of the uh, we need an H, an E, an R, a U, a C, K, an E, and another R. <laughs> and I then think, we can have the perfect acronym, and I we think can get Samuel L. Jackson as spelt by um, <laughs> As spelt by um, the Flight of the Concords is like M-U-T-H-A-U-C-K-A. <laughs> that could work. So yeah, Smash Up. Smash Up is a uh, deck... A card game where you smash up decks. It, the title is in fact a stealth pun on mashup, uh, because in the basic game you have I think eight decks of cards, uh, which are things like aliens, robots, pirates, ninjas, uh, zombies, that kind of thing. Kind of pop culture, nerd culture categories with all different things and you whenever you play you pick two 
and then you shuffle them together and that makes your deck which lends it a huge degree of replayability and quite a lot of strategy in working out which decks kind of synergize with each other for example like the zombies involve kind of killing off a lot of your your units and then bringing them back to life uh and stuff like that and it's really 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 fun uh i won't go into like the actual mechanics of it because that would take too long to explain but basically yeah it's it's a card game it i've been playing it with christina all week and it's great and so enjoyable has it been that i went out the other day and bought the expansion pack which uh, includes bears as a faction Ah. (laughs) which is really you know there was no way i wasn't gonna go and buy the faction pack that includes bears it also has like steampunk and ghosts and uh something else that but who cares about that bears are the main things so uh in the last game i was playing pirate bears uh, which worked surprisingly well, despite the fact that I lost. In, oh, in the first game, it was uh, zombie dinosaurs versus ninja wizards. Uh, this game was pirate bears versus uh, robot plants. Cool. And it's great. It still sounds fun. It is really good. I believe there might be an iPhone app version of it, but uh, okay. iOS app. But yeah, so that's my media of the week, Smash Up. I mean... I have also been playing an inordinate amount of Neverwinter, but we'll save that for another week. Yes, yes. There's all the time in the fortnight. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, What's my meter of, of the week is a podcast that I've been catching up on over the last uh, couple of weeks, um, which is quite a short one, actually, because it is a solo podcast. And those are very difficult. Mm. If I've learned anything from doing Demi podcasts, it's very difficult to do a solo podcast. Mm. Um but my good friend and pod mistress Maxi does one, and I listen to a few of them, and we're like, nah, nah, yeah, because it's about uh, a single uh, manga anthology called Weekly Shonen Jump in Japan, and I was like, well, I'm not really into manga, but the more I listen to it, the more I'm like, actually, Maxi makes it interesting, even if you know nothing about the subject, and ties it all to this stuff, and makes sense of some of the pictures of the way it's entered Western culture that you didn't really realise. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of you know the series is that kicked off people like shipping um men with uh, men famously it's like oh right so that's part of why that's such a cultural force um obviously we talked about the psychology of it <laughs> sort of in a previous episode <laughs> um but yeah they're only like 20 minute uh, episodes but they cover the whole history of a particular comic from the anthology and uh involve lots of really random jokes because max's sense of humor is kind of strangely brilliant uh no wonder me and him did a show together once um <laughs> but you should really listen to it uh, especially if you you used to like tim and max having listened to this show um i genuinely like i'm not even saying it as a buddy thing i thought ah oh, well i'll listen to it because it's maxi but then it won me over to be actually like, oh i'm interested in this i want to hear about all these things that i'm never likely to read but still can be interested in um so yes it's called friendship effort victory uh, it can be found at friendshipeffortvictory.wordpress.com, but don't worry, there'll be links, etc. Um, and then we can be like similar podcasts on iTunes or something, like Buddies. Uh, but yeah, so friendship, that takes us all the way back around. Wow. To... I oh, am is... such a pro. <laughs> this is, that's, that's like a, I don't know, an orbital segue. Orbital segue, <laughs> the orbital orbital frontal segue. <laughs> yeah, because it's at the front of the show and it orbits around. There we go, orbital frontal segue. That's another one to add to the list. Uh, so yeah, um, 
Although, as I say, we're talking about friendship, but actually a lot of it is about, well, I wanted to focus in on cross-sex friendship, as it's called, or opposite-sex friendship, uh, because I guess it's a part of my life that's relatively significant, and I want to justify myself. Because, (laughs) you know, essentially what this show is me standing up and saying, I am sort of normal and science says it's so, so shut up, haters. Uh, (laughs) It's in complete contravention to always aimed to the end of the bell curve i know i know i i i don't know if i'm secretly betraying myself no maybe it isn't maybe it proves that most people are like this but i managed to beat the trend no it's just uh, what uh, what's his name the dude with the 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 rock and the hill the dude with the rock and the hill eh the greek dude the greek dude zeus no, oh, Sisyphus. Wo- Sisyphus. I thought it was Sisyphus. So it's like it's you're you're like a Sisy- Sisyphian bell curve. Is that the way to put it? Right. So I'm constantly aiming for. Well, no, you're normal, constantly and climbing. I keep pushing it back. The other no, one. No, you're constantly climbing up the bell curve towards normality and then sliding back down to the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Sisyphian bell. Sisyphian. Sisyphian. I think would be it. Sisyphian bell curve. Okay, then. Well, we've found out a lot about me already. That, that is our first Psychomedia (laughs) t-shirt. Well, if you want to do the design, you can do it. Uh, In the meantime, um, yeah, I want to mention, I looked up just like psychology friendship or just like lasting friendships, because that was sort of what we were going for originally. I want to give some notable mentions to a couple of journal articles. Uh, One, friendships that last. I thought, oh, brilliant here okay lifespan yeah and it's rolling p2p protocols by <laughs> buster Manti and chow um and uh, then also i am so happy because today i found my friend friendship and personality as predictors of happiness uh, and i'd like to credit anyone who references a nirvana song in a journal <laughs> title because that's what that is um, smells yeah. like teen spirit the effect of pheromones on adolescence well adolescence is precisely what i'm going to talk about first um gosh I've, I've metamorphosed into something quite odd, haven't I? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I want to focus on cross-sex friendships. Um, I've always found them the more interesting sort of friendships, and they form the majority of my friendships. Sorry, Ben, you are in the minority, I think. And they seem intuitive. special. Exactly. To have a different character to same-sex friendships. But what do I know about friendship? If you ask my friends, they tell you very little. <laughs> I mean, they tell you that I know very little about friendship. They're not, like tight-lipped people who respect my privacy um, <laughs> that is absolutely true <laughs> <laughs> what? what what have you been told things by my friends ben behind my back <laughs> uh nothing that you haven't already told me yourself yeah that's probably fair enough <laughs> so you just have to feign they're, surprise basically they're as oversharing as you <laughs> <laughs> that's not true um <laughs> Yeah. Um, fortunately for me, with so much of life, I can rely on science to give me the answers to the things I really should have learned from experience. The answers you want, not the answers you need. <laughs> that is the advantage of science. The answers that Gotham deserves, Ben. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, so I'm going to look at two studies on cross-sex friendship. Don't worry, it's not going to be all in a row. You'll get some Ben in the middle. Um, so I think these two studies, because they don't seem to fall prey to the primary viewpoint out there in the literature. And this viewpoint is one we're all familiar with, thanks to Nora Ephron and Rob Reiner. And that is that salad and sexuality are more closely linked than previously thought. Wasn't that a, an early draft of a Jane Austen novel? <laughs> 
the controversial salad and sexuality <laughs> not really ever able to be released in her time period because of obviously the social mores but and i mean the they thing found a lost manuscript <laughs> oh i don't even want to think about that but yes as harry succinctly puts it in when harry met sally um the you know single thing oh my god she's got never mind defines that life is what i'm saying is and this is not a come on in any way shape or form is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way and april blesker reshek associate editor of evolutionary psychology and a professor at the university of wisconsin eau claire uh, the only university i've heard of named after an exclamation uh, has <laughs> written a number of papers putting forward this view and of course it would be deeply unprofessional of me to reject a viewpoint in psychology because I don't like it and then go on to suggest that the only reason that April Bleskerishek holds this view is because of a sequence of attempted friendships that devolved, you heard me and science will back me up, into romantic <laughs> relationships. But <of> <laughs> I'm not a professional psychologist yet. Anyway, we all know um, this common sense idea. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tim, I don't mean to derail you. I feel bad. Um, a, a moment ago, I made a loud outburst and then yes. rapidly self-edited. Right. Uh, I just want to reference the fact that I wasn't just excited about the fact that you mentioned when Harry met Sally. It was I was about to complete that sentence with something which during com uh, the outburst I decided was inappropriate for the podcast. Uh, so well, isn't it great that we can be so frank with one another? Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, you when, can when Harry and Frank met Sally is a different movie. Um, <laughs> you, can, so, uh, you can carry on. Okay, well, basically, we know that common sense idea. It's firmly embedded into the popular culture for good or ill. So what about the science that sort of goes about challenging it? Well, I'm going to start with Lempers and Clark Lempers in 1993. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to compare the functions of same-sex and opposite-sex friendships to see, essentially, if one was more functional than the other, or if they had different functions. So yeah, using functional to mean having functions uh, and kind of achieving things rather than the difference between functional and dysfunctional. So. Dysfunctional, that functional, any functional. Um, seeing friendship as functional can be problematic uh, since it's what Machiavellian psychopathic narcissists do. Um, <laughs> and yeah, one of the studies I didn't do for this episode was about the so-called dark triad, which is what some guys come up with. And it's like psychopathy, narcissism, Machiavellianism. They're kind of linked, but they're not the same. So let's call them the dark triad uh, <laughs> and discuss how they affect everything, including friendship. And they pick basically friends for certain reasons. Uh, and me, I do that. Indeed, it may have even been at the wedding uh, when I said all of my friends are either clones or mirrors of myself. And then Ben said, mirrors of yourself, because Mira was there. <laughs> well done, Ben. That was a great joke. I was pleased. So was she. Yeah. Admittedly, that might have been the champagne talking. <laughs> anyway, I don't I really... I think there would be high correlation between what Mira would have said and what the champagne would have said. <laughs> they get on Which is in no way a reflection of Mira. <laughs> no, it's Anyway, I don't think I really select friends for functionality, but friendship is always going to be in some way functional. So when selecting your friends, it's important to check that they have the, an adequate number of USB ports. <laughs> I was just thinking complementary stats so that your party has all the members. <laughs> you know, in the case of a zombie apocalypse or being drawn into a fantasy world, you're going to need a healer and no one wants to be a healer. <laughs> So, Lempers and Clark Lempers inform us that friendship provides us with companionship, recreation, confidants, critics, allies, and sources of stability. 
And I'm glad that you are my critic, Ben. If only because you're helpfully lenient and have a vested interest in our joint ventures being good. Adolescence is, of course, the time when friendship properly develops. Friendship springs up in unlikely places. Friendship grows bigger. Friendship is invariably awkward, faltering and weirdly pitched. The emotional intimacy goes way up. We all suddenly become desperate to tell each other our secrets. Very few people before this study had actually compared the differences between same-sex and opposite-sex friends. One of those people was Chicksent Mahi. Um, doesn't say what he yeah, said, yeah, yeah. but I'm going to guess having friendships makes you flow somehow. <laughs> um, they have helpfully been described as both continuous and discontinuous, or as these phrases are also known, similar and different. <laughs> no, Tim, no, it's science. You have to give it a word that no one else understands. That makes it ours. <laughs> Yeah, we are genuinely the priestly caste of you know modern society. Absolutely. There. So some parts of them are similar and some parts are different according to research up to this point. But two key areas that were agreed upon as important to friendship and adolescence were ego support and self-exploration. And those are two very self-focused things. But hey, if you've read Catcher in the Rye, I guess you'll understand that that's what adolescents are like. They're usually considered self-obsessed. So I shouldn't be too surprised that their friendships reflect that. And I certainly was self-obsessed as an adolescent. And also I am still an adolescent. <laughs> so to study this, they had teenagers rate how important they viewed each type of friendship as being in the various categories. And these categories were admiration, affection, companionship, instrumental help, intimacy, nurturance, reliable alliance, relative power, conflict, punishment and satisfaction. And I will explain these in ways that I understand. Admiration is admiration. Affection <laughs> is affection or liking. Uh, companionship, doing things together. Ownership. Instrumental help, anything <laughs> practical like and non-feelings based. Intimacy. Like digging a hole. <laughs> yes. It, well, if or friend recording helps you, a oh, podcast. I guess. What do you mean non-feelings based? <laughs> uh, uh. Intimacy. Terrifying. Uh, anyway, uh, sharing secrets. A is what intimacy is defined as here. Nurturance. A made up word meaning looking after each other but not in a practical way. Reliable alliance. The rebel alliance. They always <laughs> stick together. Apart from Mon Mothra and Garbalibliss and they get together anyway. Uh, relative power. Who makes the decisions? Conflict. Arguing another conflict. Punishment. I think their definition is best. Frequency of being scolded and disciplined by the relationship partner. Can't think of any examples of that happening all the time in my own life. Um, and <laughs> satisfaction. How happy you are with the friendship. So obviously there are expected changes as you get older. You tend to start with same sex friendships because there's no odd societal pressure against them. And apparently there's greater behavioural compatibility. And it might differ between the genders rather than just between the types of friendships. There's already evidence that female same-sex friendships are more emotional. So they got 576 participants from the Midwest and they were grade six to grade 12, meaning that some of them were simply brilliant at music, indeed off the scale. Um, <laughs> I didn't even mean to do that. If you uh, do like just... grade 12 music, then you are like, that's that's actually magic music. Yeah, this is like summon summon angels with your. It concerts. has the ability to um, defeat Cerberus, make the Silurans kill themselves out of jealousy, and other things that Orpheus does. Um, Actually, on the subject of summoning angels, I was playing a video game in the weekend, and it's a good it. It's a, so there are it's an early beta version of the game, so there are some balance issues between the classes. 
Um, is one of them the Angel Summoner and the other the BMX Bandit? Well, one of them is the Angel Summoner. They literally summon angels to kill people. And playing as one of the other classes watching someone do this, I was strangely reminded of the Michelin web sketch. Yeah. Well, there is a, I have to say, it's a slight distraction. There's a brilliant article on overthinking at the minute. The um, author and philosopher John Scalzi, I can't pronounce his name, um, has written an article that's like, here's how you understand privilege. If you're playing a difficulty, uh, if you're playing a video game with difficulty levels. If you pick straight, white, middle class male, that's like picking easy. <laughs> you know, that it's maybe the same game, but the difficulty levels are just increased if you're coming from minority backgrounds. And all of these white guys were like, ah, it can be difficult being white and male. That's how white people talk. Right? <laughs> I don't, don't know any. Um, so <laughs> that's that's irony as humour there, guys. Because you're a gangster, though, innit? I'm not going to follow that road. <laughs> Because that's exclusively how like white people talk, but there's a class issue there, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. But you know, discussing how there's not many. There's like one uh, MMORPG where there are different actual difficulty levels for the different classes, so you get a more personal sense of satisfaction if you can achieve something. But at least you get to choose which is the difference between that and life. Anyway. so yeah, I've still failed to get my head around um, the conversion between American British school numbering. I mean, without having upper and lower sixth following after 11, how are you supposed to know how old anyone is? Uh, <laughs> actually, spoiler warning for Doctor Who, that is Stephen Moffat's plan for the next regeneration. Uh, they're going to cast Colin Holt and Danny Baker as half of six. This is a really clever joke for the one person who will get it. Anyway, sixth grade is apparently 11 and 12 year olds. So clearly everything after and including that is adolescence. And they were only included, these participants, if they had at least one same sex and one other sex friend. Uh, I say other sex, I mean opposite sex. There is heteronormativity and binary gender definitions through the roof in this area. And I apologise, but I can only report the science that I can find having been done. So we're just going to have to roll with it for now. Could, could you clear something up for me? Is it in, in, in being kind of hetero uh, like non-normative in your sexual terminology is it's appropriate to call people say that someone is has is sex male or sex female but saying gender male or gender female as binary is wrong or is it still wrong to say that well, there are no, two sexes there, i suppose there are three biological sexes or maybe four because there's male female intersex um hemaphrodite hermaphroditic and then i suppose there might be asex because that wouldn't count as intersex so there's maybe four or five biological sexes and then gender wise you've clearly got the gender equivalents of those various transgender stuff um you've got which may or may not lead to people wanting to change their biological sex you know for a given definition of biological sex you've got people who are genderqueer who basically feel like the whole point of categorization isn't um it's complicated and confusing so basically the the easiest non-terrible thing to do is acknowledge that it's complicated and not make too many assumptions uh especially to do with like gender roles and stuff because someone who is for example genderqueer isn't going to fit into any roles and can be both but hey guess what also people who do have a more common gender can do both so you know it's just about avoiding judging and making assumptions and maybe reading up on things, but accepting that it's going to be complicated and confusing anyway. 
Mm. Can I step down from this soapbox that I appear to have, you know, it's come, <laughs> come up out of the ground? I just sneakily slid underneath your feet there for a moment. No, that's really interesting. You know, I, it's an interesting issue. I have a, a friend who's talking on Facebook a lot about these issues at the minute that's, I think, making me think certainly about people who it's not about transgender, but it's about kind of non-gender or genderqueer stuff that I'm thinking about. Oh, right. That's another category that you can't just ignore. Have, anyway. we, have we done the well, I don't feel like we've done we've even touched upon those kind of questions in on an episode yet maybe we should well maybe but I'd I, I suppose I could invite this person on to talk about it actually because hmm, totally. I feel as two as far as I'm aware we're both I mean I don't know for sure whether you are male sex but your presenters are male gender um <laughs> certainly having side I've got in trouble for pre- presenting actually well, that's, yeah, you know, um, so I have made an assumption about you that you are male sex biologically um, mm. and that you are male gender. And having two guys doing that might not be as helpful, but, you know. That's worth thinking about for the future. Absolutely. Because, you know, a lot of people don't know. And if podcasts don't talk about these issues and educate their listeners, how are we going to grow as a species? <laughs> how are we going to become more accepting if comedy podcasts don't lead the way? <laughs> so. Uh, they were only included, these participants, if they had one same sex and one other sex friend. And we're just going to have to say, we've nodded at it, we've acknowledged it, we've discussed it, we've put it to a side for today's episode, I'm afraid. Um, and they gave them a measure with three questions each to measure those 11 features that I've already unhelpfully described. So we're about to hit a confound. So everybody brace for impact. I've dropped the brace position. In this case, it is the slightly sunken shoulders from disappointment. Brace, <laughs> brace, brace, brace. They measured same-sex friendships by using the phrase best same-sex friend. They measured opposite-sex friendships by using the phrase best opposite-sex friend. Oh, wait, no, they didn't. They used the phrase boy-slash-girlfriend. That's a romantic relationship, and it's not the same Ah. phrasing which is important in and of itself. So, unless boyfriend means something different in the Midwest, and any Midwestern listeners can let us know, we are looking at something other than comparing friendship. But... I'm sure we can learn something useful by relying on our real friends. Cold, hard statistics. So <laughs> they did a seven by two by two manoeuvre with 11 dependent measures, which is a very oh, big yeah. statistics. Like that is the. Ah, <laughs> sorry. The dream is collapsing. My, my soundboard got away from me there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. So what it found at the most basic level was a main effect of gender. The things valued in friendship differ between men and women. It also found a main effect of friendship type. The things valued in friendship differ between same sex and opposite friendship, opposite sex friends. There were interactions of type by grade as an age, type by gender and type by gender by grade. And so they did it a million. Sorry, 11. <laughs> so. I'm going to only explain the bits that make sense. Females, they scored higher uh, in importance of both types of friendship for admiration, affection, companionship, instrumental aid, intimacy, reliable alliance and satisfaction. Um, With same-sex friends, they also rated nurturance higher. Uh, Also, for relative power in opposite-sex friends, females rated themselves as more powerful, which is interesting. I'm not saying it's not true, but the stereotype is men like to think of themselves as powerful. So they then did even more post hoc tests, which break everything down into the minutiae. And I could do that, but you'd only be confused because I am confused. But the principal point from these post hoc tests is that actually as the adolescents got older, 
they rank their same sex friend as more important for more qualities if you ignore the 12th grade where it suddenly goes back down again at least that's what i got from the results uh, males and females ranked their same sex best friend as more important for all of the same factors except that females also included nurturance and then they break it down into the tiniest potential interactions but i'm going to jump to this discussion because that's more useful than me trying to explain all of these interactions where some are going to be significant just kind of inevitably so the discussion sums up the results by saying whether wherever there was a significant difference it was in favor of the same sex friendship so that's right you guys we have actually scientifically proven sisters before misters or that other one involving bros um there's no good rhyme with bros that isn't offensive i looked it up so if anyone could come up with one for that nose bros before nose but what uh, does nose mean <laughs> well well one that very much doesn't work for me is flows uh yeah uh, uh toes i looked up a rhyming dictionary ben there's nothing i promise you <laughs> um so uh yeah it was like you know women <laughs> bros before women <laughs> I, I like that <laughs> so they say this is because you get more affirmation of the self in same-sex relationships. Well, I suppose I don't see any of my female friends doing this podcast, apart from Mira, and sometimes I pretend Helen Arnie is my friend. Um, but still, <laughs> predominantly, predominantly, it is you, Ben. So, self-exploration and self-confirmation are... Fine, I'll get the voice changer. <laughs> well, I suppose I could, as, uh, you know. It only has to be one of us. If we both do it, then that won't work either. Um, so... <laughs> Self-exploration and self-confirmation, they're easier with same-sex friends because they're behaviourally compatible and the people are more similar or at least see themselves that way. Apparently, the differences between us and our same-sex friends allow us to figure out who we are, whereas with opposite-sex friends, it's just ascribed to their gender, maybe. They're too different to provide useful distinction. Um, some theorists suggest we use same-sex relationships to practice things like intimacy that are then used in romantic relationships. I'm saying nothing. I'm, I'm just going to step away from that and not investigate it. So <laughs> they suggest that they need to study the next step into young adulthood to see if this occurs. And so they conclude that just as we thought at the beginning, same and opposite sex relationships are both the same and different and fulfill slightly different needs, but also overlap a lot. It doesn't really address what the different needs are. Um, so Dramatic. as age... They claim their results show that the same sex preference exists throughout adolescence, unchanged, which is not what I got from the results. Mm. They also point out that other research fails to distinguish between dating, romantic relationships and opposite sex friendship without a whiff of irony that they themselves have done <laughs> that. In both yep. sorts of relationships, girls rate the importance of most of the characteristics, all of the positive ones, higher than boys. And this leads to an asymmetry where girls in opposite sex relationships will rate the intimacy higher than boys. While these results have been found cross-culturally, there's some evidence that if you alter the way the same construct of intimacy is presented, for example, the use of the word intimacy, uh, <laughs> these gender differences do shift to being less pronounced. And so they say it may be that males are socialised against being intimate with their friends. Um, so the advantage of their research, they state, is that they're getting the adolescents to tell us about the friendships the way they experience them. So we're getting inside their heads and their viewpoints, which, of course, with us being so old, are totally alien to us. So... Lempers and Clark Lempers, confused romantic and platonic relationships. Well, um, in my second study, I will talk about uh, the risk of that. But because I think you might be bored of me by now, Ben, what do you have to say about friendships and relationships? Um, a little. Just so, uh, 
just a just a just a smidge, a little dash of difference in between your delicious studies. Um, so the inspiration for my first study this week came from, uh, appropriately enough, from the girlfriend um, who went to a talk in the department given by uh, one Professor Robin Dunbar. Uh, now, Professor Dunbar is famous for discovering the maximum number of social relationships that humans can maintain, uh, which is coincidentally actually called the Dunbar number. Uh, and the idea is that our mighty social human brains are only capable of keeping track of a finite number of social connections. Uh, generally, this number is estimated to be about 150. And now, what that doesn't necessarily mean is that as soon as we reach 150 friends, we suddenly lose the ability to form meaningful relationships with others, because that would be ridiculous. What it does mean is that if we do want to make new friends, we have to brutally cull our existing relationships to make room, which is much more sensible. Doing this at the time of a political election is probably the easiest way. Because you look at your <laughs> mental friends list and you see how many have a mental friend up to date that says something about supporting UKIP and then you could just delete them and be done with it. <laughs> and you've got lots of room for new, exciting new friends. Uh, now, obviously... Within this mass of 150 acquaintances, some of them are going to be closer to you than others. And Dunbar has found that people typically have about five core friends, their closest friends. Um, members. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, for some reason, when I was reading this, I was reminded of a recent uh, Bad Machinery uh, comic. Uh, where they replaced the phrase uh, two's company, three's a crowd uh, with two's lesbians, three's a coven, which <laughs> I thought was one of the best things I've ever read. OK, uh, well, I have to say, I'm so glad that Giant Days is back for like a long term. I love oh, Giant good. Days. I think that like bad machinery is great, but Giant Days is so spot on to what university is like. Yeah, Amazing exactly. Because I haven't been a like detective starting at a grammar school at least for 10 years now uh, and have been at university more recently. It's brilliant. I agree. I really need to get basically all of the like back copies of the comics in hard copies so that I can read through all the old stuff. Cause I, I haven't really gone over the back catalog of that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's big, but it is worth it. I do really love it. Sorry. Uh, carry on. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so you have five core friends. So you have one set of lesbians and one coven or one, <laughs> Pair, one company and one crowd um, so uh, if we think of the human brain like a big tank full of friendship juice your five closest friends presumably take up much more juice each than all the other 144 144 wow my math is bad 145 acquaintances in your social network it makes sense right whatever finite cognitive or emotional resource or resources we use to maintain our friendships we're most likely going to be using more of them on the friends we're closest to you know things like remembering birthdays maintaining emotional connections putting up with their annoying partners that kind of thing it takes a lot more cognitive effort than someone who you just pass in the corridor and occasionally nod at yeah i suppose so and kind of by definition that if you even if you argue someone is your close friend if you don't do those things they're not really your close friend, I suppose. Exactly. And therefore, you're not using as much of this cognitive resource on them. Juice. And it, the juice gets all sloshing around and redistributes. And, you know, 
as always, there will be individual differences. Some people will be able to maintain larger friendship networks and maybe they'll be inclined to also have more close friends. Maybe some people maintain a large circle of close friends at the expense of less casual acquaintances. Who knows? I don't. And I couldn't find any studies by Dunbar that might answer this. But of course, I didn't really look very hard. You could go and ask him, I suppose. And is sure he won't mind. Absolutely could ask him. To be honest, I probably should have seen if he wanted to come on the show. But at the same time... I'm sort That's of kind of intimidating. It's like, intimidating for me because I'm I'm this podcast my role in this podcast I feel is kind of like career damage limitation. Uh, <laughs> and actually introducing one of the, you know, high up academics from my own department to this libelous crock of interestingness is <laughs> perhaps unwise. Plus I I've only libeled one person today. Yeah, well, I haven't finished my study yet. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, anyway, uh, what I did, uh, what uh, I did find, uh, or rather what I had handed to me by my helpful girlfriend, was a study looking at the best friend of all, uh, which, and at this point I was going to get myself a soundboard clip of a dog barking, but I didn't. So just spend a few seconds imagining a dog barking. Good. Excellent. (laughs) Thank you. Woof, 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 woof. Woof. I'm good at impersonations, right? You do all the animal noises. (laughs) That's a very bad cow. Wink. (laughs) You're awful at accents. (laughs) That's the worst duck I've ever heard. Um, Uh, sadly, no, this isn't a study looking at the impact of having dogs on social network structure. But wouldn't that be a cool study? I, I mean, bet someone's done something about the effect of dogs on happiness. But sure, happiness but like, propagates through the social network. I read that last week. Sure. I mean, do pets count as nodes in a, in a social network model? I mean, they Depends require... Depends how many friends know them. But, I mean, they, that's not an absolute requirement. Like, they require a level of emotional cognitive resources... And anecdotally, at least, they can replace or at least make up for the, an absence of human friends. You know, interesting. Let's study that, Dunbar. <laughs> I challenge you. Uh, but no, this study is about boring old romantic partners, or boring young romantic partners, or interesting old romantic partners. Uh, now, or specifically interesting romantic partners, old or young, because these are kind of interesting. Uh, if you think about it, almost everyone has close friends. Almost everyone. But only a significantly smaller percentage of people have romantic partners. If you take all the people. And when you think about it, a romantic partner probably requires much more of that delicious friendship juice than even the closest of friends. You know, the uh, I mean, individual differences. One would hope so. You would it hope would be so. Awkward for the friendship if not. Talking, talking overall and excluding romantic comedies, then that's probably the case. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to ask what happens to your network distribution when you introduce a romantic partner to the system uh, or to put it another way who gives up their juice um unfortunately this they didn't really test this causally but anyway it's still kind of interesting according to professor dunbar your close friends are the ones that take the hit based on a 540 person sample network if you are single then you average 5.8 close friends. But if you have a romantic partner, then that number drops to four, uh, excluding the partner themselves. Uh, So according to this, at least, 
you should bear in mind that if you are maybe thinking of asking that special someone out, you should get ready to literally murder 1.8 of your closest friends because that's what Robin Dunbar says you should do. Fact. I would do it in a second. Do it in a heartbeat. (laughs) Uh, It's funny because it's true. Uh, so yeah I mean that's it's kind of interesting uh, I, I think it's particularly interesting that seemingly the average for single people is actually slightly higher than normal so I mean you know if you take all people including the ones with romantic partners and ones without let's say you get an average of five but when you parcel out only the single people the average actually goes slightly up Possibly. So you essentially have they one didn't of your test this, platonic friends who's essentially what. a girlfriend substitute. Well, yeah. it Being single maybe it causes you to increase your number of close friends to fill the gaping void in your soul. Uh, oh, you've got more <laughs> of the juice. And you may as well use it on close friends. Exactly. Or more juice to go around. Um, now, the, so there's a slight problem with all of this. Uh, I couldn't find the original study, and I don't like not having the original study in front of me because uh, I have to go off Guardian articles and uh, articles from Psychology Today. Uh, and that makes me feel bad in myself. But so, and uh, it may be that I just couldn't find the small section of the one article that Dunbar's published where this is talked about, but I couldn't find any of his papers that had the same sample size or anything like that. So it's probably pre-publication. And when they Uh, knocked on the door, it turned out that the study had been dead for 10 years. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, that is unfortunate. I would have very much liked to have read the original paper. Um, I, well, were I the sort of person who followed up on this kind of things, I would have uh, badgered Christina to get the reference that she wrote down but that would involve finding a lost notebook which is quite a difficult thing to do in our house so go on a quest (laughs) in your own house so Um, is that all you have to say about dunbar's maths well no i mean it's not really maths the maths comes later but it is okay that is indeed all i have to say about dunbar i am done with bar (laughs) oh 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 so that is the end of our apparently first episode on friendship wow it turns out that when we talk about friends we have lots to talk about because we're such good friends or something or or maybe we're just really trying to work out what all these other what all the fuss is about yeah yeah we're working hard on our friendship we're trying to make it work (laughs) but it takes effort and should it take effort um so uh well uh in conclusion uh at the very least be very careful when uh, entering into a romantic relationship and do so with the knowledge that you will probably lose between around 1.8 of your closest friends. And some of those are likely going to be same-sex friends, because apparently if you're an adolescent, like I still think of myself as, sadly, <laughs> uh, then you're probably going to value them more, although they are slightly functionally different, but not as functionally different as you might think or something. Um, so, Hooray! Science you... achieved! <laughs> Science! you know looked at um so adequately managed (laughs) minimum requirements for science achieved you've got the pass that's you know the key thing passing grade um so well no i was thinking the the one below that where gosh just pass you don't get the honors Mm. i've heard of it i don't know anything about it 
Is that arrogant? I think that's arrogant. Um, so if you'd like to Oxford. contact us for some reason, um, <laughs> maybe to be our friend. Our friend. Yeah, there you go. Uh, then, well, Facebook.com is the home of friends. Facebook.com slash Psychomedia, where you can like us, but not be our friend. Want, if you want to be our friend, then you'll have to find one of our existing friends and kill them. <laughs> that's, that's not a thing. I realised as I was saying that how bad an idea that was. Because Please you think that not... some of our fans will genuinely do that. Oh, wait. <laughs> that only works within our fan base. You can't kill any of our real life friends. <laughs> some of my real life friends are my fan base. And they're the ones who need to be the most careful. <laughs> um, there's there's also uh, twitter.com slash team psychomedia. Uh, yeah, and you can email us uh, psychomediapodcast at gmail.com. And then there's the blog thing called psychomedia.wordpress.com where we illustrate visually the things that we could not explain well with our mouths. <laughs> and yep. until that's, next that's time, it. whenever that may be, uh, <laughs> whatever will... that may be whoever, whoever that, may be. that may be no it'll be us um, <laughs> it's the one likely consistency um we say goodbye uh, goodbye psychomedia would like to apologize for the absence of a proper outro service today it was due to the events beyond our control including but not limited to forgetfulness, stupidity, distraction, shiny things, new games, old games, the intervention of Harry Squire, a pesky scrub jay, Ben's genuine addiction to whistleplaying, and Tim's genuine inability to write at all. Full refunds can be obtained by sending your ticket to Southern Rail, welcome to the Madness Productions, PO Box 1138, London, England. Psychomedia assures its customers that the service will resume in the future. Although there is a high statistical likelihood that future actros will be disrupted by overblown ideas, hasty writing, Tim leaving it all to Ben for weeks and weeks in a row, desire to write a song that overrides other preparation, and that passengers on the good ship Psychomedia should expect better replacement bus service in the event of service problems. This is the end of the outro, where this service terminates. All change, please. Change.